hey there, 10.30, good morning, and uh, happy Labor Day. Um, there's a, a passage I want to uh, share with you. To me, it's, it's a Labor Day passage. And um, when I say it's a Labor Day passage, for those of you here who are like liturgophiles, I mean, you're, you're not going to like find this in a lectionary, right? But, but it just breathes the spirit of what I think Labor Day is supposed to be. Jesus says this, come to me, all you who are weary and burdened, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me. For I am gentle and humble in heart, and you will find rest for your souls. For my yoke is easy, and my burden is light. Now just let that hang out there for a minute. Let it just hover. And what I'd like you to do right now is just take a deep breath in through your nose. And hold it and let it go. You close your eyes this time. Take a deep breath in through your nose and hold it and let it go. Does that feel good? I want to talk to you today about your spirit, about your soul. Like a generation ago, I find that people today like to talk about things that are spiritual and like to think of themselves as spiritual. Ask someone in the 80s whether they were spiritual, they'd look at you weird. People who called themselves spiritual were outliers. But today I find people pride themselves on being spiritual. They're hungry for it. They're, they're at least curious about it. In fact, it almost seems that today, that if you were to say, you know, no, I'm not spiritual or I'm not into spiritual things. It's almost akin in this day and age, isn't it, to saying something like I'm shallow, right? That I'm shallow or I'm, I'm materialistic. No, no, I don't care about that stuff. I just care about me and, and things. Back in the 80s, you can get away with that. Not today. Today, people are interested in things spiritual, want to be spiritual, even if it remains for them undefined. For so many, it is just this vague notion that there, there's got to be something more. It becomes equated with being deep or being in tune or touch with yourself, but at some level that there's something beyond that I want to access and integrate with. But I think for so many, it remains this, this fuzzy, ethereal ill-defined kind of thing that they don't know what to do with and don't know where to go with. And, and so the, the, the desire and curiosity in things spiritual kind of remain at that point, just desire and curiosity. But I want to talk to you today about what it means to be 
spiritual. I want to talk to you about your spirit and about your soul because like it or not, you have one. Like it or not, you are spiritual. You have a body, but you also have a soul, a spirit. And I'll use these words interchangeably, spirit and soul, to refer to the same thing. You have a body, you know this, but you also have a soul, whether you like it or not. The question is what you're going to do with it. Because just like a body can be weak or strong, sick or healthy, so your spirit can be weak or strong, sick or healthy. And just like there's things that you can do to help or hurt your body, there's things that you can do that help or hurt your soul. And I want to talk to you about that kind of stuff today. Now, now before we begin, I need to make something clear that when I talk about your spirit or I talk about your soul, I'm talking about something far more than your emotions. Your emotions are a wonderful gift of God, but they are not the same thing as your spirit, as your soul. So when I talk about your spirit or soul, I'm not talking about how you feel. I'm not talking about if you have peace in your heart or a constant sense of joy, a contentment, or a happiness. These might integrate or flow from a healthy spirit, to be sure, but they are fundamentally not the same thing. To talk about your spirit is to talk about something that transcends your feelings, that's deeper than your feelings, other than your feelings. And by talking about the spiritual, I'm, just not, I'm also not just talking about the unknown. I'm not here today to just talk about things that might hypothetically be or theoretically are out there or wouldn't be interesting if, no, those are fascinating lines of thoughts to play with, but, but there's something called your spirit or your soul that is tangible and that is real, that is a gift of God that he creates in you that reflects who he is. This is starting to get into the territory of what I mean when I talk about your spirit or about your soul, and I want to talk to you today about how to nurture that and strengthen that, what to do with it, how to be spiritual without being a monk. Because I think for a lot of us, we have put spirituality on a level and platform that seems unattainable except for the very few. You know, you, you know how this works. We, we, we read stories from the, the latest guru or, or spiritual teacher. We, we hear the extreme lengths that people go to in seeking enlightenment. And, and, and the things that people do, the patterns of people at past and present... Of, of commitments to the Lord, of deep spirituality, of asceticism, or whatever it might be, going, man, it's like there's something there I admire. There's something there that, 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 that could even inspire, but that, that's not me. That's not me. And so we, we sometimes, don't we, leave spiritual practice to them. We leave it over there to them as something that I can never be. Well, what I want to do today is I want to compare, I want to draw an analogy between your physical being and your spiritual being. Basically saying, I want to make a comparison. Drawing on physical health and what it means to be physically healthy as a window into maybe granting us insights into what it means to be spiritually healthy. Let me explain off the bat what I mean. Now, I don't know all of you in here well enough to make this statement for certain, but 
I'm going to throw it out there as a really good guess. My suspicion is that there are few, if any, people in this room right now that in their physical health, in their, physical, in their physicality, are at the level of a professional athlete. Furthermore, I want to make a conjecture that none of us in this room, when it comes to our physical health, our physicality, are at the level of an Olympian. Now, there may be some in this room who had a college scholarship, who there were moments in your life where your physical health was at a prime place. Maybe some of you who are listening online are there right now, but I bet it is very few of us here today. Would you agree? Now, wouldn't it be foolish to say, well, you know, since, since in my health I can never be the level of a, physical, of, of a professional athlete, what's the point? Why worry about it at all? Why even try to be healthy because I will never be an Olympian? Now, I know a lot of us adopt that attitude practically, right? But as I say it out loud, isn't it like a foolish place to operate from? Wouldn't that be a stupid way to approach the subject of health? To say that because I cannot attain the upper 1% echelon or 1% of 1%, I shouldn't bother with physical health at all? No, because we know that we can be physically healthy and grow physically stronger despite the fact we may never attain that level. Would you agree? And yet this is exactly the... the mindset that I, see take, that I see people take spiritually. I can never be a monk. I can never do what they do. Or let's take the light version. Professional church workers. I can't devote the best hours of my day every day to directly pondering and interfacing with spiritual things. And so we kind of set them over there right? To borrow the metaphor or the cliche, we put them on a pedestal, rightly or not. And by putting them on a pedestal, it's not just something to admire, it's to say, I'm never going to be up there. How foolish would it be to think that because you can't do that, that you can't be spiritually healthy? Would you agree? And so what I want to talk to you today about is how to develop and nurture your spirit. How to become more and more spiritually healthy. Now, I feel like I need to say this off the bat. Have you noticed when it comes to physical health, there's kind of two camps of people? Those who want it and those who don't. Right? There are people who want it. It doesn't mean they're doing anything about it. It doesn't mean they know how best to go about it. But at some level, they want it. And what they're looking for simply is guidance. Give me a plan. Give me guidance. Give me coaching. Give me a program to follow. And, and they're already in that place so they can take tools that are given to them to operate from, right? We know those kinds of people, and we hate them, don't we? And then there's the other kind of people where all the energy has to be spent motivating them to want it to begin with. 
And so you can never really talk about plans. You can never really go anywhere with any of this because all the time has to be spent trying to, well, pump them up to maybe, just maybe, want to actively pursue physical health. We know these kinds of people, right? As I talk about spirituality today, I need to talk about it over here. I realize in this room right now, there are some of you who just don't want it. I don't have time in what I'm allotted here this morning to pump you up, to get you to want spiritual health. So if you'd forgive me these next moments as I talk to these people over here, because I know there are others of you in this room who do know that you have a spirit and it's important to you and you want to see it flourish and grow. But maybe you just don't know how to find traction, how to get started or how to put something in play to develop that spirituality in a God-pleasing way. I want to talk to you here today. I also need to start by saying this. Any talk of health presupposes that you are in fact alive. Would you agree? So for example, I can develop an exercise plan, an eating plan, a regiment of doctor's visits and whatnot and, and find out. You know, we, we can develop all that. We can hire a personal trainer, a nutritionist, a dietitian, right? I can get all that assembled and then I could bring it to my dad. I could bring it to my dad and say, Dad, I've got a plan laid out for you. And if you simply follow this, it's so easy and there's people here to motivate you and coach you and guide you along the way and help you when you feel like you stumble. You know, it fundamentally wouldn't do any good. And do you know Why? Because my dad is dead. And all the physical health plans in the world aren't going to help someone who's dead. Do you know what the Bible says? At some level, all of us are spiritually dead. The Christian worldview goes like this. That God is the source of life. And from him all life emanates, not just in its creation, but in how it's sustained. So that life is not possible if you are severed or apart from God. It is only by connection to God that we find life. And of course, from the Christian worldview, the fundamental problem is that we are separated from God and therefore are separated from life. And so while your parents gave birth to you physically, when it came to giving birth to you spiritually, you're stillborn. And it takes God coming to bring you back to life. Look at how Jesus puts this. He says this, I tell you the truth, no one can see the kingdom of God unless he is born again. No one, may I, may I interpret this a different way? No one is spiritually alive. No one can be spiritual. I don't care how many mountaintops you sit on, how many hours you spend in prayer, how much yoga you do, you cannot be spiritually alive unless you are born again. 
he says. Let me read some of the context to you. Now, there was a man of the Pharisees named Nicodemus, a member of the Jewish ruling council, and he came to Jesus at night and said, Rabbi, we know you are a teacher who has come from God, for no one could perform the miraculous signs you are doing if God were not with him. In reply, Jesus declared, here it is. Would you say it with me today? I tell you the truth. No one can see the kingdom of God unless he is born again. How can a man be born when he's old, Nicodemus asked. Surely he cannot enter a second time into his mother's womb to be born. Jesus answered, no, I tell you the truth. No one can enter the kingdom of God unless he is born of water and the spirit. Flesh gives birth to flesh, but spirit gives birth to spirit. You should not be surprised at me saying you must be born again because all of us at some fundamental need birth. We're dependent on God to give our souls, our spirits, life and birth. And so we can talk about spirituality and spiritual practices in a thousand different ways, but if it doesn't start with connection to him, we still stay spiritually dead. That's why Jesus will also put it this way. I like this passage. He says this, whoever believes in me, as the scriptures said, streams of living waters, life, right? Life source, life, the spirit, it'll flow from within him. I like how it's put more, even more literally, it'll flow from your gut, out of your belly flows living water, that God will birth something in you, a birth from above, a birth from the spirit, a rebirth again, giving life to your soul. And so I want to talk to those of us who have found that rebirth or that life about how to nurture that spirit or that soul into something healthy and strong. It's probably good at some level to just address what that looks like. What's it look like to be healthy? I'm curious. You don't have to shout anything out, but like, how would you put it? If someone were to come to you and say, like, so how do I know if I'm healthy? You know, we just kind of have like a gut reaction on this, don't we? It's kind of a number of symptomatic things that we kind of identify, but really, what does it mean to be healthy? Now, I'm going to submit to you that you can gather any number of medical professionals in a room, but it's fundamentally not going to change from this, all right? What does it look like to be physically healthy? Well, you feel good, you look good, you're strong and able, you have health numbers and you're not sick or injured, right? No, a medical professional could come along and nuance that, bring jargon to that, flush that out in a lot of detailed ways, but doesn't that constitute what it really comes down to? When I wake in the the morning, do I actually feel good? When I'm going through the day, Do I feel like how I think? We know what it's like to feel good, right? We know what it's like to look in the mirror too. You ever have those moments when you feel good, but then you like get out of the shower and you look in the mirror and you're like, oh my gosh, right? At some level, being physically healthy means, yes, I can still fit into my pants. Would you agree? 
It's being strong and able. You might feel good, you might look good, but can you walk up a flight of stairs without wheezing? Can you run a 5K? Can you walk across the room without staggering? Are you physically able to do the things that come your way? And how are your health numbers, right? Because you can feel good, you can look good, you can be strong and able, but then you go to the doctor and he's like, your cholesterol is 432. I mean, you, know, you know what I mean? Uh, what's your BMI? Your blood pressure, right? What are your glucose readings? These are indicators to what's going on inside. And of course, there's people that feel good, look good, are strong and able and have good health numbers, but their leg is in a splint like this, right? Or they're racked by some disease that limits them. Sometimes these are things we've got to deal with, but at some level, isn't health mean that I'm not struggling with debilitating chronic illness and injury? Well, take the same principles. I think they apply spiritually as well. What does it look like? What does it mean to be spiritually healthy? Well, I'd submit to you this. How do you feel? How do you feel? Do you feel more sensitive to God and your own sin or less? It's a sign of spiritual health or sickness. And how do you look spiritually? How do you look? Is the character and integrity of your life looking better or worse? These are signs of spiritual health. How strong and able are you in your soul? Are you find, do you find that you're able to be more obedient to God or less? Better able to witness or less? More generous to give of yourself or less? To respond to God? To act in this world? Are you getting more or less strong or able in your spirit, in your soul? Are you with me on this? And how are your stats? I mean, come on, really. At some point, we need numbers in our life. Count up how many times you've been to church this year. Where are your stats? Right? How often are you reading the Bible? How often are you praying? How much are you giving? How often are you serving? How many times are you sharing your faith a day? What do your stats look like? And I want to ask you this one too because it's equally important. How are you recovering? How are the illnesses and injuries that sin has brought into your life mending? Or are you stuck in a chronic place? To me, these are indicators and signs of spiritual health. And if the goal of these is to see them happen more and more, I want to speak to those of you today to how to go about leaning into these, growing into these, developing your spirit and your soul just like you might have a plan to develop your physical health. In being. You're going to see from these slides today that I kind of am embracing summaries. Not because I think things as complex as your body or your soul can be reduced to simple maxims. I'm not trying to be reductionistic here. 
But I find I need summaries. I need basic principles and premises, don't we? To get some traction, to get some direction, to give some platforms to at least spring us in the right direction. Well, I'd submit to you that you can gather any number of physical, uh, um, of, of medical professionals in a room here today. And while they might nuance it in different ways, they would all fundamentally give you the same recipe to physical health. What do you do to be physically healthy and strong? Doesn't it really come down to these like five or six things? Eat healthy, exercise regularly, get enough sleep, manage your stress, avoid toxins, and go to the doctor. I mean, again, this doctor might do it different than this dietitian. This coach might tell you different than this personal trainer. This person might tell you different than this person. They'll each fill out what that looks like in a variety of ways. But doesn't it fundamentally come down to those six things? Now, some observations on it. For those of you who have striven to be physically healthy here, have you noticed you can't really pick and choose on the list? Like, how many of you have tried to get in shape only by eating healthy? I'm going to put myself on the diet. You feel like you're starving yourself. You went like nine days like eating carrots and lettuce, which really isn't healthy, but you thought it was healthy, right? You went like nine days eating carrots and lettuce, and you get on the scale and you lost like a half a pound. Have you noticed that all of these things have to be there? Or how many of you have found that you can consume far more calories? than you can ever burn off. I used to challenge that in my 20s. I'm going to eat how I want and run it all off. I'd be working out like three hours a day. It's like, how am I not losing weight? When you go home and eat a package of Klondike bars, that's how you're not losing weight, right? I mean, it, it doesn't take, it's, it's not rocket science to figure this out. How many of you have plateaued physically? You're diligent in your exercise. You're diligent in your diet. But you find yourself getting weaker instead of stronger. You find yourself denigrating instead of increasing. You're getting enough sleep. You're managing the stress. We don't have to even speak about the toxins in the life or preventative checkups, right? At some level, wouldn't you agree that these six things stand behind physical health? Let me compare it now spiritually. How to be spiritually healthy? The same six principles. Eat healthy. Exercise regularly. Get enough rest. Manage the stress. Avoid spiritual toxins. Go to a spiritual health place. You following what I mean? And you notice on that side of the list as well, you can't really pick and choose. I've met so many Christians who think that their pathway to spiritual health is spiritual eating. And they gorge themselves on God's word. Every meal is a feast. You look at their calendar. They're in like nine Bible studies a week. And they think that they just eat and eat and eat and eat and eat and eat and eat. Somehow they're going to be strong and spiritually healthy. Starting to see the ridiculousness? Who, who has that ever worked for in the physical sphere? And then you look at what they eat. 
Well, stuff that's easily digestible. Stuff I don't have to chew that much. Stuff that tastes good on the surface. Stuff that's a little bit even addicting. Watching believers on a diet of spiritual junk food, thinking if they consume 8,000 spiritual calories a day, I will just be healthy. Guys, it's not going to work that way. How are you exercising your faith? What are you doing to make the spiritual muscle stronger? To develop perseverance and endurance? How much spiritual rest have you been getting lately? There are some of you here who exercise your faith. Some of you here who are eating a healthy diet of God's word. But can I just ask you? Do you feel like your spiritual life has plateaued? Like God's word has lost its flavor? Like it all just kind of feels and sounds the same. And truth be told, your motivation is dying. Because you're kind of stale and bored. Are you getting enough spiritual rest? Are you practicing Sabbath? You know, I think actually this is the hardest one for believers today. Look at your calendar. Do you go seven days a week? Is every day occupied by your to-do list of work and home and family? You realize that's disobedient to God, don't you? You realize he knows how the universe works, don't you? And that when he says in his top ten, Practice the Sabbath day. Keep it holy. Do no work. He's actually talking to you. Is that any wonder we have chronic injuries in the spirituality that have set in? And what does your trust look like? And how are you avoiding temptations as other poisons trying to come in? And are you going to a place to get checkups for your soul? At some fundamental level, that's what it looks like to be spiritual, to pursue spirituality. But you know what I find in both arenas? Is sometimes I need more than this. Let's start on the physical side. See, I could tell you for, for any number of years that I'm supposed to do these things, but you know, when it comes down to it, have you ever kind of realized I don't really know what it actually looks like to eat healthy? Like, I got an idea about it. Like, you know, I know how it used to be the food pyramid, then it went to the weird stripes, now it's the dinner plate kind of thing. I mean, yeah, I, I, I get that. But like when I'm actually sitting there at dinner time going, okay, is that like one serving size or four? Right? And, and how much fat is actually in this? Is it okay if I fry this or not? And how many carbs is my daily intake consisting? Right? Do you ever find those moments where when it comes down to it, you know the principle, but you don't know what to do. I find the same thing happens to me spiritually. I know I'm supposed to eat God's word. I'm supposed, I know I'm supposed to exercise my faith, but what does it look like? A few months ago, I ordered a new pair of running shoes. And yes, I order them because I know what kind I like. In the box, they had this little tag that had really nothing to do. It wasn't like a corporate sponsor or anything like that. But 
But it was like the most fantastic thing I've read on physical health in like the past year. It's put up by CrossFit. Some of you might do CrossFit or you know about it. But it was basically this. Fitness in 100 words. Let me show it to you here today. This is by CrossFit. Fitness in 100 words. Eat meat and vegetables, nuts and seeds. Some fruit, little starch, and no sugar. Keep intake, levels, uh, keep intake to levels that will support exercise but not body fat. Practice and train major lifts. Deadlift, clean, squat, presses, clean and jerk, and snatch. Similarly, master the basics of gymnastics, pull-ups, dips, rope climbs, push-ups, sit-ups, presses to handstands, pirouettes, flips, splits, and, and you know, holds, bike, run, swim, row, etc. hard and fast. Five or six days a week, mix these elements in as many combinations and patterns as creativity will allow. Routine is the enemy. Keep workouts short and intense. Regularly learn and play new sports. You know what I like about these hundred words? It's still short enough to be memorable, but it gives me a little bit more than this, all right? It gives me something to work on, something to compare myself against, something to begin with, something to pursue that I can tell if I'm doing it or not. Are you with me on this? So it got me thinking. What would it look like in 100 words to describe Spiritual fitness. So I put this together for you. It's a different type of CrossFit. Humble yourself. Even when you don't have to. Forgive. Even when you don't want to. Repent quickly and frequently. Stand firm in faith. I had to drop the thought and make it 100. Stand firm in faith, even if you stand alone. Avoid temptation. And if you can't fight it with everything in you, pray, 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 pray continually, then pray some more. Tell God that you love him every day. Take risks for God. Practice obedience. Commit to him daily. Connect to his body. Share your faith. Eat God's word like actual food. A lot of it. And prepared in a healthy way. Rest in the Lord. Give like Jesus. With joy. Love everyone. Always. It's spiritual fitness in a hundred words. But here's my question for you today. How does this translate to you? Because the only way that this actually happens is when we take the principles, the summaries, or the ideas and apply them or translate them personally. We've got to tailor them, don't we? You can't just lift a fitness plan offline. It'll get you started, but at some point, you've got to tailor it to you. Tailor it to your schedule, where you're at, 
your strengths, your weaknesses, your past injuries, you name it. How does it tailor to you? So it got me thinking. How would I tailor these hundred words to me? And so I spent some time this week working through my own spiritual fitness plan, tailored to me in a hundred words. Let me just share it with you. This is for David Gadini. Every weekday, read a chapter of the Bible and ten pages of theology. Accent the scholarly over the popular. Translate a verse. Figure out what every word is doing. Learn three new words. Review the vocab occasionally. Memorize something, anything, as long as it's out of the Bible. Get on your knees, boy. Make it happen. Get on them, literally. Tap Luther and the Puritans for help. Get 30 minutes of physical activity. Write 500 words. Keep telling yourself it's not a journal. Embrace your calling. Husband first, then dad, then pastor. Talk to God throughout the day. Confront your inner voice. Repent daily. It's my hundred words. What are yours? What are your 100 words for spiritual fitness? That's what I want to challenge you to this week. Before next Sunday, tailor 100 words to you. Force yourself to make it 100, not a word more, or less. Because in the process, God is going to force you to wrestle with the words, to choose what's important, to read things, to find clarity. Struggle, exercise your faith in that. And here's what we'd like to encourage you to do. We set up a hashtag, FOF Spiritual Fitness Plan. Post it. Post it and let people glean from your words, words that they can find that, that tailor to their soul as well. Come up with your hundred words and throw it up. We don't care what social media channel. Post your hundred words and make it a spiritual fitness plan for you this fall because I'll tell you, God has given you a spirit. God has given you a soul. What are you going to do with that gift? Let it atrophy or become healthy and vibrant and strong. The good news is you don't have to be a monk to do it. So we're going to commune today. And uh, I invite the band to come up, get ready. While they do, if, if you would, rise. And, you know, the end of my 100 words... Repent daily. I want to take a moment to just pray right now and give us the opportunity to do that here today. So God, we come to you. Well, we come to you. 
Some of us are feeling pretty spiritually okay. Others of us are not. God, we come to you regardless, acknowledging that all of our all of our spirit, all of our life, all of our strength, it emanates from you. Forgive us for the ways that we battle that. The ways that we ignore that, take it for granted or cut it off. Connect us by your spirit today. Hear us as we pray. Most merciful God, we confess that we are by nature sinful and unclean. We have sinned against you in thought, word, and deed by what we have done and by what we have left undone. We have not loved you with our whole hearts. We have not loved our neighbors as ourselves. We justly deserve your present and eternal punishment. For the sake of your Son, Jesus Christ, have mercy on us. Forgive us, renew us, and lead us so that we may delight in your will and walk in your ways to the glory of your holy name.